Well, good morning. It's a, it's a great day. It's a big day around here for, for all of us. Uh, we've got some great February weather to enjoy. Uh, judging by the sea of red out here, we've got uh, a lot of Chiefs fans, uh, and uh, I know we're uh, all excited uh, and uh, expecting a big win from the Chiefs today in the Super Bowl. First time in 50 years. And, of course, not to be overlooked, it's also Groundhog's Day. <clears throat> and I understand that Brad is quite a fan of uh, Groundhog's Day. Not only is it his favorite holiday, but uh, the movie is also his favorite movie. In fact, the rumor is that uh, June had to go in and wake Brad up a second time this morning because first time she woke him up, he got out of bed, saw his shadow, and hopped right back under the cover. So. <laughs> All kidding aside, um, the, uh, the really important thing that uh, makes this a big day is that this is Communion Sunday and that we are here to share in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. I'd like to uh, welcome each of you, and I'm, I'm glad to uh, see that you have made the choice to be here today on a day when probably lots of other things might have pulled you away. I'd also like to say thank you to all of those who are participating in the service today for their willingness to uh, share their ministry with us. And I know um, Ruth asked me not to do this, but I'm going to mention it anyway. Um, Ruth is going to be playing today for the uh, the last time here because she's going to be moving to John Knox Village in a couple of weeks. And uh, <clears throat> we're going to miss her. And uh, we thank her for sharing her musical talent with us. Our theme this morning is, What Does the Lord Require?, which is based on scripture from the sixth chapter of Micah. And in this scripture, the prophet is telling the people of Judah that God does not appreciate their empty worship and their faithlessness, and that he desires them to have righteous thoughts and do righteous deeds, and to live out their faith in their daily life. He reminds them of all the ways that God has blessed them in the past and that they have a covenant relationship with God. And I know that uh, Brad will be exploring this scripture in much greater detail when he uh, shares his message with us this morning. Well, we too are called to have a covenant relationship with God. And this morning we have the opportunity to make a new beginning in our relationship we have the opportunity to renew that covenant as we share in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And so as we continue in our service, in our worship this morning, I'd ask you to give consideration to that theme. What does the Lord require of you? And uh, would you join me now, please, in the uh, responsive reading that's in your bulletin? Listen to the good news. Regardless of what is going on in our lives, listen to what the Lord says.
Gracious God, as we come before you, we come seeking to be fed by the body and blood of your sacrifice. We ask that your Holy Spirit will now be resident here in this place. Bless those who have come who are asking for forgiveness because of things in their past this since last uh, communion that they are struggling with. We ask, Lord, a blessing for those who are sick that have been named in our prayer book today. We ask special blessing on the Adam family for Shane and Allie and all the family that here that loves and is concerned for their welfare. We thank you, God, for inviting us to be here and with you. We invite you to be with us as we take of the bread and the wine. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Can I have all the kids come up, please? Oh, I love all the Chiefs shirts. Are you excited? Yes. Hey, how is everybody? You're good? Good. Okay, well, I'm so glad to see you all here today. Um, today, for our children's moment, our, the scripture is from Psalms 15, and so I'm going to tell you about it. The main thing that this scripture is saying is to stand up for others. We need to make sure everyone is treated kindly, no matter what they have done. We want to show people mercy, or that means forgiveness, where they say sorry, we tell them that it's okay, and we forgive them, and where we're still nice to them. And then when we, because we want to remember that we also make mistakes, just like other people make mistakes. God loves everybody, and he welcomes everyone. So I have some pictures that I want to show you all today, um, and they are of... Other people. I want you to tell me what is going on in the pictures. Okay, so here is the first one. What do you see in this picture? A kid tying another kid's shoes. Yes. So a, a little guy is helping his friend tie shoes. Can you get her? <laughs> in this picture. I'm going to set it down here so maybe you can still see it a little bit. And then what about this picture? What do you see? Helping her. Yeah, she's helping. Her friend fell down, so she's helping her friend up. Very good. And where's my third? Here's my third one. What do you see in this one? A little girl. Um, it looks like she's like really tired, and she looks a little bit sick. And her mom 
um, is helping her um, feel better. Yeah, she's giving her a hug, isn't she, and loving her. Um, I want you to give me a thumbs up if you have ever helped somebody, maybe in a way like this, and showed them that you love them and you care for them. I think everybody could have their thumbs up, because I know that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now I want you to think... um, what does the what do people that have God's love in their heart look like? I love that answer. Yeah, they look like all of you. So, uh, are you all? Do you think they look happy or sad? You can say it out loud. Happy. I think so too. They look happy. Um, do you think that they are kind, loving people, or they're kind of mean people? Happy? Do you think they're nice or mean to people? You can say it out loud. Nice. Nice, yes. So people that have God in their heart, they're kind and they're loving. They forgive other people because we have God's love with us. Now I want you to think about um, what, what we can do to make more responsible choices of loving people. So um, if you are maybe at recess and you're playing, and you're playing with all your friends and having a lot of fun, and then you see somebody on the other side of the playground all by themselves, what could you do? What could you do? So he's thinking about it. Who else is thinking? What could you do if you see somebody all by themselves? Play with them. Yes. So you could go get them and bring them over to play with you and your friends and include them, right? I bet somebody's done that for you before, too. Um... Can you do these things that we've seen in the pictures to help people? I love it. And then I have one more question. So here, um, let's pretend this little girl had just hurt her feelings, and then she fell down. Do you think she should still help her up even though her feelings had gotten hurt? Yes. It's it's the right thing to do. I love it. Yes, you got it. So um, if we want to live joyful and peaceful lives, we have to begin to act in new and different ways. When someone does something or says something that is hurtful to us or those we love and those that we support, we have to trust that God loves that person and um, loves the person that said the hurtful thing. God loves everyone. God knows what that person really meant when we felt hurt and knows the details of what happened. So our church, I don't know if you know this, but our church has nine enduring principles, and the enduring principle known as responsible choices shapes the message that God gives us the ability to make choices and hopes we will continue to make good choices just like we talked about. So just like these kids are making good choices and you are making good choices, he, God is hoping that we continue to make those good choices. Um, this helps us to have a better world, better friendships, and everybody is healthier when we're making good choices. Okay, thank you for coming. <laughs> you may go to your seats. Bye, thank you.
from the Doctrine and Covenants, section 163. You are called to create pathways in the world for peace in Christ, to be relationally and culturally incarnate. The hope of Zion is realized when the vision of Christ is embodied in communities of generosity, justice, and peacefulness. Will you pray with me? Eternal God, we once made a choice to follow you. Today, we choose again to follow you. May we courageously make choices that demonstrate our faithful desire to create peace in your name. On those occasions when our choices are not in harmony with your will, forgive us for our lack of love, our impatience, our selfishness, our greed. Open our hearts and minds to the possibilities for peace that arise from stewardship of creation, healthy relationships, and reverence for all that is holy and sacred. You have chosen and called us as your people of peace. Grant us fortitude and faith to fulfill the vision of peace set before us. In Jesus' name, amen. Growing up, um, I played football in a small rural community in western North Dakota. And we were so small that we had to combine schools uh, for football and track. And because of that, we were expected to play both sides of the ball. Um, Some people call that one platoon. Other people call it Ironman football. I was a running back, linebacker, punter, and sometimes a nose guard. I was actually really good at nose guard, but uh, it was exhausting and it was tough, uh, but full of many life lessons that I feel are still very relevant today. With our great chiefs in the Super Bowl today, what better time to reflect on the lessons learned in football or really in any other sport and how they relate to doing what the Lord requires. See, the Lord is our coach, and we are his players, and together as a team, we learn to be accountable for our actions. There are those amongst us that are team captains. There are others that are content at being followers, but a follower today could be a captain tomorrow. And much like a good coach, God recognizes our talents long before we have any idea. He then uses that talent to build his team. But no matter your position, everyone has a unique purpose on God's team. We all understand the value of our work and that together we are moving towards something much bigger than ourselves. There are no shortcuts to victory, and every day we must wake up knowing that there's work to be done. Doing what a coach requires might mean getting up early and hitting the gym, watching hours of tape to learn play, eating right, and making good, responsible choices in the community. Doing what God requires might mean dedicating time to a local mission group, setting up a reoccurring e-tithing, donating gifts, and also making good, responsible choices in the community. Sports teach us to be selfless for the strength of the team. God teaches us to be selfless for the strength of his kingdom. 
Just like a former football player like myself can be called by his coach to play many positions on the team, God can and will use each and every one of us in a way that he sees fit. Knowing that we are part of God's team should make us all feel like we have already won. In closing, I would like to read from Philippians. It goes, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mine. Do nothing out of selfishness, I'm sorry, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Can I please have the ushers come forward? I ask that you please bow your heads with me. Dear Heavenly Father, you have blessed so many people, yet there are still those that seek assistance. Let those among us have an abundance of your gifts, reach out to others in a manner in which you see fit to provide guidance, value, and support where and how needed. Let us move together with your disciples, hard work and understanding of selflessness to help make a better tomorrow. In your name we pray, amen. Good morning. Good morning. I know some of you think I'm probably oblivious to all the sports excitement that's going on, but I'm not. Two weeks till pitchers and catchers report for spring training. <laughs> I mean, you can't get any better than that. Um, you know, our, our, our long winter nightmare is almost over. <laughs> First, I, w- I want to I thank Aaron for switching with me and agreeing to speak this morning. Um, about three weeks ago, June and I were talking about when we might be able to go to New York next, and we decided this week. And so, I know I'm scheduled to speak, so I contacted Aaron and said, hey, could you switch with me? You're scheduled to speak March 15th. And I mean, it was kind of a short notice to 
make that switch. But Aaron said, yeah, I'd be happy to do that. And then I went to request the week off from work and realized I had a very important meeting this week and work that I had to go to. So June's in New York by herself. So then I was with that ethical dilemma. Do I just go ahead and keep March 15th and just not come to church today and let Aaron think? And so then my, my nephew Rick contacted me and said, hey, let's go to spring training. He owns a condo in Phoenix. He says, I, I've got my condo for the March 15th weekend. So I had to get a hold of Aaron and switch back. So I, I do appreciate you're willing to switch and switch again so I can get to a spring training game. Um, I know some of you people. Dave Talcott, think that I chose today's sermon because it is on Groundhog's Day. Uh, yeah, it is one of my favorite holidays, but I like Christmas, I like Thanksgiving, I like Groundhog Day, and it is one of my very favorite movies. I, I love the movie Groundhog Day. Talking to June yesterday, she was reading in that scholarly journal called People Magazine that James Taylor, his favorite movie is also Groundhog's Day. So that, that's kind of cool, but I got a lot of favorite movies. I, I, I like The Last of the Mohicans. It's one of my favorite movies. I, people ask me often, say Moulin Rouge is a favorite movie, Bridge Over the River Kwai, Lawrence of Arabia. And I also add another Bill Murray movie, uh, The Man Who Knew Too Little. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. Great movie, isn't it? So you're probably thinking about what's your favorite movies. Anyone want to share what their favorite movies is? Open range. What is it? True Grit. True Grit. The one with John Wayne. With John Wayne. I was thinking you were going to say Open Range. What is it? Baby's Day Out. I haven't seen that. Cinderella. Cinder oh, Cinderella Man. I'm glad you added that man in there. Yeah. <laughs> Little Women. The new one? Is it really good? Yeah. It's a Wonderful Life. Boy, that's so dark. Descendants 3. You know, is it, it's a much better than 1 and 2. That is good to hear. Okay, so we, we've got a lot, of, a lot of favorite movies. So um, i got a suggestion for you. Um, and maybe that suggestion is just a way to enjoy that movie today. Get the DVD around 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, <laughs> pop it in, watch it, rewatch it, and it'll be good. No, I didn't sign up today because of Groundhog Day or the movie or any of that. In fact, when Allie had the book, to, to, I'll tell you, as a pastor, I do get a first shot at Sundays to speak. So when she passed the book around, all the Sundays were open, and I noticed that this Sunday was Groundhog Day, which only happens occasionally when it's Groundhog Day on a Sunday. I decided I'm not going to speak on Groundhog Day because everyone's going to think that's why I'm speaking. But then I looked and saw what the scripture was. And I go, I love this scripture. So I said, I, I think I'm going to, despite the fact, that didn't show up very big, did it? It looks much bigger on my computer. Leslie, I, I guess i got to talk to you about this, because this is her, her screenshot of the scripture that she puts on um, uh, Instagram. And the scripture, which I know well and, and, and like, is, He has shown you, O mortals, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I can remember when I, that scripture first kind of, I became at least aware of it. Maybe not the first time I heard of it, but it really hit me. And it was, um, do you remember when Bruce was 
prancing around here in tights when he was one of the men in tights. Well, I remember Bruce. I don't think I was part of it. That, that vacation Bible school when we did the, that, that was our, our scripture that we chose for the, the main scripture. And that, that, that week, that scripture just really set in with me and, and it had become kind of an, important to me. Uh, well, and I'll tell you, uh, now that I, I've shared favorite movies, anybody want to share? I'm going to ask you, do you have a favorite scripture or Bible story that you might think of? You don't need to say, you know, whatever, you know, Jeremiah 4 or whatever, but any, any favorite scriptures, Bible stories that people would want to share with us? Section 22, Dr. Section 20. Twi- okay, that, I like that. Not to judge the world, but to, yeah. Book of Ruth. I'm trying to think. I've probably read the Book of Ruth. I can't think, but uh, any others? The Woman at the Well. Woman at the Well. That's, that's my wife's favorite, too. Psalm 91. Psalm 91, okay. Okay, okay, yes. Yeah, there's, we have a, Tim. Yeah, that that is that is the only line out of the Book of Mormon I can quote, but it is it is a very cool line. Well, others, I'm sure that you're all thinking thinking of uh, scriptures right now. About eight or nine years ago, uh, I took a course with Dale Luffman. Uh, I don't remember how many people were in that course. Over a dozen. I mean, I can't remember every. I know Jen was in the course, but I'm sure a few of the others here. And Dale introduced us to a concept called exegesis. And I, I put it up there because if you just say it, you think it might have the name Jesus in it. But exegesis is the um, process of deeply studying something, really specifically scriptures. And I uh, have tried to do that on a number of scriptures over the years, and certainly on a Sunday that I, I speak, I try and dig into the scripture, uh, trying to figure out what it is. And I got thinking about this exegesis process in this morning, and I realized I have never really dug into this Micah scripture before. I've looked at kind of what is before, and I have not really liked it. So I, I've really just kind of avoided looking at it, and then all of a sudden I kind of get nervous what if I ended up not liking the scripture, digging into and finding out it's different than what I expect? Because that sometimes happens in the process. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of some very specific ones. I don't think anyone mentioned, but there's in John when uh, Jesus asks Peter, hey, hey, Pete, do you love me? And Pete says, yeah, I love you. Pete, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Do you love me? You, love me? you know, that, that scripture. Well, when you do your exegesis, one of the things you find out about that is the uh, Greeks have dozens of different words for love. And of course, in English, we just have one, unless you count the heart emoji. We have two if you count that. But they have all these different words for love. So Jesus was using the word agape. Hey, Pete, do you agape me? And Peter was saying, hey, you know, I uh, I can't remember what it is. Filio, you, or something like that. I don't know how it's pronounced. I'll mispronounce everything if I can. Um, so he was saying something different. So that really changed that scripture around to me. And I didn't want that to happen with my Micah scripture. But there's other examples like Jeremy. Uh, there's a uh, scripture there, 
29th verse. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, and plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Which I, I always like that scripture because it kind of told me, man, God wants me to drive a Porsche 911 to church. I want to prosper. That, that sounds really good. You dig into it and you find out prosper really means shalom. It's the real translation. He, he really has plans to put peace into your life. So it changes it. Probably for the better, but I'm not driving a 911. So I don't know what to say about that. Um, and then there's another one of my, my very favorite scriptures, and you've heard me talk about this one before. That's when Isaiah talks about turning swords into plowshares. And a couple weeks ago, and I apparently had never really studied that scripture too much, but a couple weeks ago, June was, was reading about it. And she says, hey, did you know why that's interesting? Is back in that time, what people actually did was they took their uh, plowshares and turned them into swords when times of war came. And so that just put that whole scripture upside down to me. And I thought that's really an interesting, interesting piece. So with that, I decided everyone can read that. I'm sure the print is perfectly large enough, almost. Um, I decided to dig into this scripture and take a look at it and figure out what it was about. And I want to read it to you. Um, and you already know I'm not a real good reader and I mispronounce things, so we'll have a little bit of that as we go through. And there's, there's one word in here I've got to be real careful about, otherwise it's going to sound like I'm swearing. Um, and one of, the, one of the things I'm most proud of that um, in, in my life, I don't know if I, maybe I should be humble up here because we're supposed to walk humbly with our Lord, but there is no one who's ever heard me say a swear word since I got out of high school. Um, and so I don't want to be saying a swear word in front of all of you. Um, so I um, had a high school English teacher who one day heard me swear, and she says, Brad, you have much too good a vocabulary to swear. And I said, yeah, I do have a good vocabulary. And so I've worked around that ever since, so I'm going to be very careful right now. In Micah, the prophet says, Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up. Plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear ye mountains, the Lord's accusations. Listen, your everlasting foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? What, what have I burdened you? Answer me. So God's kind of mad at these people. Micah's saying, hey, he's not, not too happy with you. I brought you up out of Israel and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. My people, remember what Baca, king of Moab, plotted and what Balaam, son of Boar, answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal, what you may know the righteous acts of the Lord, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. So there's a lot going on there. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with the calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? He's talking about human sacrifice. I mean, I'm thinking that's kind of strange. I'm not sure that I really all that fond of this um, scripture at this point. 
But then you dig into it, and I won't kind of bore you with the, the digging into it. But when you look at it, what he's saying, he wasn't a- advocating human sacrifices. What he's saying is that God doesn't want all these little weird things that, that we're trying to do to show that we are righteous people. What I think, Micah, and I don't have any exegesis sources to really back me up on this, but I think Micah is being a little bit sarcastic. He's listing all these things that he sees people do in his community to try and please God when it's really a simple message that we're presented with, and we're presented with that every day. And that simple message is that God requires acts of justice, mercy, and kindness towards other, and deep humility with God. That's a pretty simple, straightforward. And that's why I like this scripture. That's why when I read it, it it's, it's easy for us to follow. What do we need to do? And I want you to notice the order that these words are listed. Justice towards others comes first, followed by kindness, compassion, merciful human relationships are the most important things to God. And then when people accomplish that. They can walk humbly with God in that covenant relationship. One of the sources I read is a little bit of a long quote, but I want to uh, read it to you. Perhaps it sounds simple today. Today we do not need ritual sacrifices to worship God, but the challenge of bringing justice in the world, living in merciful relationships with others, and continuing lives of humility tower above any ritualistic demands of past or current ages. The scripture passages presents us with a call to live fully and faithfully in covenant with God as we bring about healing and justice for others. It is the highest calling to which we can aspire and requires us to sacrifice our self-interest so we may bless and uplift others. Looking at it that way, I can definitely keep this scripture as one of my very favorite. And I want to leave you today with two challenges. The first, I asked you earlier about favorite scriptures, and a lot of you thought of them. I, I, I want to challenge you this week to go home with that scripture, to do a little exegesis of your own with it. Dig into it. Find out if the meaning is what you thought it was. Maybe it's a little deeper. Maybe it's a little different. But I, I can almost guarantee you that you'll be blessed the way I feel like I was blessed as I dug into this scripture. And the second, I want to challenge you as you approach our communion table today and experience this sacrament. You rededicate yourself to bringing justice to the world. You commit to increase kindness in your life and in this world. And you commit to becoming a more compassionate and merciful person. And I know when you meet this challenge of this communion service, I'm certain that you will walk humbly with your God in a covenant relationship with him. I ask that you might be blessed.
are welcome at Christ's table. The Lord's Supper, or Communion, is a sacrament in which we remember the life, death, and resurrection and continuing presence of Jesus Christ. In Community of Christ, we also experience Communion as an opportunity to renew our baptismal covenant and to be formed as disciples who live Christ's mission. Others may have a different or added understanding within their traditions. We invite all who participate in the Lord's Supper to do so in the love and peace of Jesus Christ. For I will say the teaching that I passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took a piece of bread, gave thanks to God, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in memory of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup and said, This cup is God's new covenant, sealed with my blood. Whenever you drink it, do it in memory of me. This means that every time you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Uh, as much as possible, would you kneel now for the uh, blessing on the bread and wine? O oh God, the Eternal Father, we ask Thee in the name of Thy Son, Jesus Christ, to bless and sanctify this bread and wine to the souls of all those who partake of them, that they may eat and drink in remembrance of the body and blood of Thy Son. And witness unto thee, O God, the Eternal Father, that they are willing to take upon them the name of thy Son, and always remember him, and keep his commandments, which he has given them, that they may always have his Spirit to be with them. Amen.
Our God is a source of blessings. Our God is a source of love and justice. Our God is a source of wisdom and truth. We move out in mission through the Creator, Savior, and Source. Go in peace. Thank you. I don't know, but thank you. You're going to give me.